Hey, this is Grandpa. You're listening to Friars on the Farm podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy. Oh, Donovan, I'm pretty. I'm getting frustrated. The Padres are really dragging my heart around. Dude, they are dragging their tails around, and they're dragging my heart around. But you know, I tell you, it, it freed up my Saturday. My Saturday and my Sunday got freed up pretty quick. I'm like, I, you know, I'm going to go back to the well. I'm a fan. I want to watch any or two later. They score a bunch of run, you know, score a couple runs. Boom. Um, what I did like though about the weekend, I thought, I thought Weathers, and we'll talk about it here in a minute, but I thought he did really well. He did. He did. He did really well. Tom Cosgrove had a really nice inning. Um, you know, there are definitely positives to pull out of it, but man, these bats need to wake up. They do need to wake up. So what's going on for this episode? All right. Well, we've got our major league minute up front. And then on deck, we've got the a little bit of minor league news, um, some injury news, a little bit of pleasant development news around the Padres farm system. And then we've got the affiliate rundown. In the middle of that, we have your interview with Graham Polly from the Damn. Lake Elsinore Storm. So it's a potpourri. It's a hodgepodge. <laughs> oh, every week. Every week. That's what we bring. Well, let's start with the major league minute. Dude, I, I something I've noticed about Tom Cosgrove, and, and I can appreciate this, uh, but at the same time, I want him to to get innings is they're easing him into appearances. Like they're not putting him in high stress levels. They're not putting him in an area where, you know, it's high leverage, but they're getting him innings. And so far he's doing, you know, for the small, small sample size, he's still doing really well. Right. Yeah. He's been, he's been playing sparingly. They've been putting him in for yeah. like, get one guy out. And I thought that was going to be the case on what was it Saturday that he went in and pitched an inning and a third. So he came in high leverage situation, runners on base, uh, came in, got the out. And then he came out and pitched a full inning right through the heart of the Dodgers order and got the guys out. And so to me, I hope that means that they're earning, he's earning a little bit of confidence, right. a little bit right. of trust, um, kind of showing them what, what he is and who, what he can do. Yeah, and because his stuff is, it's not going to blow you away. He has to he has to pitch with control. He has to pitch with keeping him off balance. Uh, he's not going to hit 98, 99. He, he's going to have to be a little finesse Um, But so going back to El Paso, he is now 11 scoreless innings. So he's keeping that streak alive. So that's really nice. Yeah, on the whole season, he has yet to allow a run. So, you know, knock on wood, let's, uh, let's ride that hot streak as long as we can. So speaking of that, the Padres have announced a transaction today. So uh, we all figured that Ryan Weathers is probably going to go back down once he made the start. So that's the case. They optioned him down to Lake El to um to El Paso. Uh, then the question was who comes up in his place. Well, it was a surprise today. Uh, Drew Pomeranz hit the sixty day IL. Womp womp, like nobody saw that coming. I mean, I'm sorry. I I don't mean to be leaguer the the <laughs> point, but like we said early on, that any any innings we get out of, out of Drew Pomeranz is a bonus at this point. Right. Um. So they selected the contract of Drew Carlton, who uh, he has he has time in the majors in 2021 and 2022. Padre signed him as a minor league free agent in the off season. Um, and this season he's been doing a pretty darn good job in El Paso. He's got a two one point one three ERA across 16 innings pitched uh, in 13 games, Uh righty reliever. Um, I saw a little bit of him in spring training. Nothing really jumped out to me. He doesn't have like he doesn't have an unusual arm slot. He doesn't throw some right. wacky pitch. He's a fastball slider, sneak in a changeup kind of a guy. Uh, but you know this bullpen needs some help. Yeah. Um, 
And it's, you know, I was listening to, to Chris and Tony on the way home on 97.3 today. And Tony Gwynn made a good point that the the bullpen might not be getting so much pressure if there was a little bit of run support. You know, they're coming into a lot of games where the Padres are down three to one or two nothing. And yeah. it's like they got to hold on to whatever they've got where you look at this lineup and they should be putting up big numbers. They should be coming into games where they're up six to two. And now there's not all this frustration that, OK, if somebody gives up the two run shot, OK, we'll we'll just come right back and get them. It, that's not what it feels like right now. And it, that's got to change. Right. And it feels back to when, you know, our one good pitcher in the rotation back, you know, 10 years ago, one good pitcher in the rotation had to throw it a, a three hit, no run shutout for us to win two to zero or one to zero. That the, the whole complexion of the game changes when we do score runs. That's why, you know, Sunday after, you know, weather's pitched really well. He gave him the two runs. Fine. That was fine. And then he gives up the two run bomb. I was even okay with that with, cause granted, if, if we're down two zero and we score a few runs or we had runs on the board, like it's a whole different complexion of the game. And so you look at the bullpen, you look at, you know, people are going like, well, Ryan, what else is going to send him back down? He gave him four runs. Well, it wouldn't have been a problem if we would have scored some other, you know, give him some support. I mean, you're right with the bullpen, same thing. It's like, our bullpen doesn't suck. Our offense sucks because they have to be perfect. And bullpens, by design, by just the way they are, they are going to give up runs. They're going to give up a run here. They're going to give up two runs. They're going to have the bad, you know, the bad inning and give up a ton. But it's magnified when the offense is scoring and everyone's full of anxiety because no one can get your leadoff double hell in a leadoff double. Right. Yeah. Ryan Weathers, he's got four starts on the season, a 3.42 ERA, a couple of relief appearances mixed in there too. He's done his job. And so is the rest of the starting pitch. And the starting, the starting pitching has been the best in the majors in the month of May so far. Um, It's just, they, they've got no support. So what's it going to take? So on Saturday, AJ Castle tweeted out that three quarters of the season to go, obviously, but the Padres current two Oh three average with runs runners in scoring position is the lowest for any big league team since the 1969 Padres hit 200 with runners in scoring (laughs) position in the franchise's inaugural season. They're now hitting 198 with the 280 on base and a 337 slugging with runners in scoring position. And in today's newsletter, Cassavell pointed out that no team as far back as he could go back in the logbooks has ever hit below 200 in a full season with runners in scoring position. This is an aberration. This is crazy, especially when you look at, I mean, this isn't like the Detroit Tigers that lost a hundred and something games. What 15 years ago, this is Juan Soto and Bogarts and Machado and Tatis. And I mean, and the supporting cast around them is not a bunch of chumps. These guys can hit. They just can't right now. It's like a bad episode of Black Mirror or Twilight Zone and Nightmare Fuel. Just, I mean, it, it's so Padres. It's so Padres. You know, um, I read today. I read Ken Rosenthal's article today, and and he talks about you know what's the Padre way? What is the Padre way? How how what is the Padre way? All these guys on the squad, you know, can tell you what other organizations' way is. Um, Certainly, you can't tell them what way the Padres are. So it looks like what Preller has done, almost kind of like a supercharged version of 2015 or 16, when he when he traded for Matt Camp, he traded for um, you know, Upton. You know, he made all those trades. He put all these guys together, and even the pundits were going like, "You put those guys together, but if they don't, if they're not 
if there's not a co- co- cohesion, they're not going to score runs. Pardon my language. Kind of the same thing here. You put all these superstars in the lineup, they got to, they, they, and they're not performing. They're just looking at a bunch of individuals. So, um, and then you, you, your four or five, your other hitters in that lineup are just glaring because they're not knocking guys in. Well, they're not really not supposed to knock guys in. The big bats are the ones that are supposed to be knocking guys in, and they're not. Right, right. And then you put a little bit of pressure, and then you got Grisham trying to swing for the fence. You got, I mean, all these guys are at their best when they're trying to make contact get on base, you know, and now here I sound like all these, all these keyboard jockeys on Twitter that right. everybody, there's so many hitting coaches out there. It's amazing. Um, yeah, you just listen to coach Cantera's show and everybody's going to tell you what the Padres need to do to get back on track. If it was that simple, right. somebody would have walked in that door and said, look guys, here's what we need to do. I mean, it's Bob Melvin is not an idiot. AJ Preller's no fool. These guys know, They've done this. It's just yeah. how do you? What do you need to do? Do you need to perform a, an exorcism? Do you need to sacrifice a a, a chicken? A do we need chicken? to pray pray to Joe Boo? You know, give Joe, <laughs> Joe Boo, Boo some more beverage. Joe I don't Boo. know what we age. need to do, but we need to we need to wake the bats up. Right, and, and, and you know, after after last week, you know, and, and you know, apparently Bo Mel did say something to the team going into the Dodgers series. I wasn't expecting much. I, I wasn't expecting us to win the series. I wasn't expecting us to all of a sudden score 10, 15 runs. Like we were going up against Dustin May, who's absolutely filthy. And Dodger loving or not, I love hate watching the guy pitch. He's just so good. Uh, that two-seamer at 98 is just gnarly. Um, but come on, guys, score a couple runs, show at least something, and we'll see. Now now watch. We're going to play the Royals, and if we win this series, like, oh, the boys are back. No, not necessarily. They're playing a softer schedule. It better not. It's, it's not even an if. It's like... Yeah. They got to win today's game. They got to win this series. I feel like anything less than a sweep. And it's just like, come on, guys. I And the rules aren't that far behind the Padres in the standings. If you look at it, win-loss record. Um, yeah. And so your other note right here. Up. So the catcher. <laughs> okay. So Camposano is out for two months now because he had surgery on his thumb. So now they're relying on Austin Nola, who has been not great to be kind. Uh, the last this year and last um, and really the year before that, it's been since they got him that, and then Brett Sullivan, who's shown some promise and I want to believe in the guy, but it's hard to lean on two catchers like that on a playoff bound team. Yeah. So do they go out and find somebody? And if so, who? I, I, um, I, I don't think we can. I, I mean, I, I think we get someone, it has to be like, we can't trade away Silas. We can't trade away um jackson merrill we can't there's not much there to trade i mean we trade those two guys away we are pushing every chip in particularly right. after just spending that money on solace uh for what is everyone saying uh you know grandal I, I almost think we ride and die with those guys or try to find someone on the scrap heap but do it on the cheap i hate to say it that way and just hope in two months that we've you know that the other the other bats in the lineup have woken up and that we're not relying on our catchers to, you know, be significant contributors to the lineup. Um, Cause you certainly don't want to be trading away. You know, one of the all intents and purposes, the future catching position. And while we wait for the latest catching sensation, when Luis Camposano, not sensation, but you know, future of the catching position, Luis Camposano, who didn't even get a really a shot. Right. Right. Well, so the other day when I, all of this news came out of St. Louis about how oh, Wilson Contreras isn't going to be catching for the time being. 
he's going to be the designated hitter and there's all this upset and turmoil. And it's just like, everything is going wrong in St. Louis. That kind of gave me a little bit of a glimmer of like, Hmm, maybe there's something there. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he's already soiled, soured, soured his, uh, his welcome no. in St. Louis and they'd be willing to move him. I mean, the deal isn't enough, isn't uh, a bargain, but at the same time, you know, He's you pretty know. darn good, and and Salas is a long ways away. So you know, unless you're looking at Brandon Valenzuela or Jonathan Villar or one of these guys to come up and be the guy, yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind bringing on somebody with you know actual veteran experience and all of that. Right. Well, that's a that's a lot, and that's way above our pay grade. And I certainly think Camposano can hold down that position. And you know, this year was going to be his year where he was really going to shine. And even early before he got injured, it was looking like he was going to get more playing time before he got injured. So we'll just have to see. Um, I, I, but I don't want to give up anything to get, uh, you know, when that's really, it's part of the problem, but it's not the large part of the problem is the catcher. It's the it's the meat of the order. It's, it's the lineup. Right. It is. Well, let's move on to some pleasant news. Yeah, let's move on. Okay. So my, minor league news, we've got some pleasant developments for each major league team. Uh, this is from Sam, Di- Sam Dykstra, Jim Callis, and Jonathan Mayo, the, uh, the brain trust at, at MLB pipeline. Uh, so they had the Padres, Robbie Snelling, left-handed pitcher. They have, ranked number five in the Padres system. Um, and they say, given Snelling's status as a 39th overall pick last year, expectations for the 19-year-old left-hander were relatively high already, but he's manning, managing to exceed them with a .86 ERA, .9 whip, and 26 strikeouts in 21 innings to start at late, single A Lake Elsinore. Snelling's above-average fastball and plus curveball give him weapons to be a solid starter the higher he climbs. And with Dylan Lesko still working his way back from Tommy John, Snelling's early returns bring excitement to a San Diego system that could use it. So we've been paying close attention to him every week. And every week he goes out there and just puts up a gem. So if you have a chance to get up to Lake Elsinore on a day that Robbie's pitching, uh, you're in for a nice quick game. It's a it's a Friday. He's been pitching every Friday, but this last weekend he pitched, and he gave up a home run. And then one of the runners that he left on base uh, scored when they took him out. Uh, so his ERA ballooned, ballooned to one point three five. So, oh, for goodness' sake! Okay, know. that's it. <laughs> that's but it. Really, I'm off the bandwagon. He pitches every Friday, you guys. It's a weekend. It's a Friday at Lake Elsinore. Gonna be a blast. You're gonna see a really good pitcher. You're gonna see a really good team. They are doing really well right now. So there's you know not a lot of big names there, but there's plenty of guys there that'll that'll uh that pick our interest, certainly. But speaking of picking our interest, Jeff Sanders is reporting that the Padres medical staff has already taken a precautionary look at Ethan Salas's right shoulder. Guess he has some shoulder soreness. Um, but he's expected to be ramping up in Peoria in the coming week. Salas has been preparing to make his professional debut on Lake Elsinore before the complex league starts on June 5th. Now it remains to be seen if this little bit of a setback pushes him back to maybe mid June or if they're still right on track, but they're already taking, you know, they're very cautious with him. So I, I think it was maybe, Hey, my arm's a little sore. Let's rush you to the hospital. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I, I saw in uh, AJ Casavell's, uh, newsletter today he touched on it as well it sounds like everything's okay it's just as you said purely precautionary yeah 
Uh, so the uh, MLB pipeline updated their top 100. Yeah. You know, they do this throughout the season as guys graduate and as things happen. Um, so the Padres have three guys on the list. Nothing really changed a whole lot there. Everybody moved up a few spots because of graduation. So Jackson Merrill is now at number 16. Dylan Lesko's at number 85. And Ethan Salas is at number 90. Uh, but you put down here that James Wood, friend of the podcast, is now eighth. He is tearing it up. In Fredericksburg, I think it's uh, Fredericksburg. Um, he's tearing it up, and uh, he's no longer our guy, but he's still our guy because he's been on the podcast and we worked with them. So we want him to do well. But what I thought was a really kind of big news here was the biggest dropper is Robert Hassel the third. Bobby Barrels is has gone from twenty eight to forty seven. That's a pretty big drop. It is. And what I'm what I'm thinking is that he hasn't shown a whole lot of power since he came over to the Nationals organization. He didn't show a ton of power with the Padres. Um, he puts the ball on the ground a lot. He uses his speed uh, and he's a line drive hitter. He's not really built to lift the ball up in the air and he's he doesn't have the frame to load on. That was kind of the, the debate between Zach Veen and Robert Hassel III at the time of the draft was that, okay, Veen, you've got the power, the speed. Hassel, you've got the plus hit tool. Um, and it's kind of carried through. So yeah, the guy can hit and he can go get it in the outfield and he's got some wheels. Um uh, does that project as a future all-star perennial kind of stud center fielder, or does that project more as your everyday major league, you know, the guy that's going to stick in the majors for a long time. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, that's what happens when you look at these tiers on these top 100 lists is the guys that are in those top 20 top 10, they really do have superstar potential it's some at some point, you know, everybody has flaws, right. uh, but I mean, I don't think Hassel is really taking a step back. I think people are just real, uh, you know, coming to terms with the fact that the power is not really going to come long term. It's just he's going to be a guy that hits for average, gets on base, good fielder, good runner. Nothing wrong with that. No, no absolutely not. And they have been double A as well. So he just moved up to double A. So there's probably a big adjustment in there. He's super young for double A. Um, we wish both those guys the best, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, but, you know, at one time the Padres had what 11 guys on the top 100, uh, now they're sprinkled throughout the, you know, the, the universe the universe and some it comes around quite well. And, um, but I'm not, I'm not complaining that just, you know, we have three guys and two of them have not seen affiliated ball. That's okay. That's okay. Give it time. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the affiliate rundown. All right, so strike one for the storm on Thursday was the professional debut of Henry Williams. Uh, it turned into an evening that the storm would prefer to forget. The Padres' third round pick in last year's draft, uh, Williams is a 21 year old, six foot five righty from Duke University. He threw two innings and 19 strikes on 25 pitches. That's good. Yeah. Uh, but still, a one out walk, an error, and a home run welcomed him to professional baseball with a trio of unearned runs. The rest of the game was one to forget, just saying it ended with Jacob Campbell pitching in the ninth inning. <laughs> but okay, so Henry Williams, he's rehabbing from Tommy John. So it's yeah. not just that he's making his professional debut. He's coming back from a whole season plus of not pitching, working, rehabbing, and all this stuff. So just getting his feet wet is a good step. And Absolutely. 19 strikes on 25 pitches is a good thing. So a little bit of bad luck to have him walking off the mound with a sour taste on his mouth. That's 
fine. He went to bed healthy. He's going to yeah. pick up the ball next, what, next Wednesday or Thursday, and we'll see what he's got then. But, I mean, 25 pitches, clearly he was on a some sort of a pitch count limit. Um, Certainly going to be on a pitch limit, yeah. Yeah, so he went in, he got his work done, came out healthy, check the box. But I watched that game. One. I watched that game, and it just it kept getting bad every every time they threw a pitch. Man, they would just crush it. It was just oh, it was just getting so bad. Uh, and then finally, I was having issues with my internet. I did post a couple of videos from that game, um, but then like I tweeted, like Jacob Campbell, I, I feel there's going to be a position player pitching the ninth, and that's when my internet went to crud, and I couldn't get any video. I wanted to at least post one video of the guy pitching. Um, <laughs> I saw one pitch. It was a you know like a like a Will Myers, just kind of throw it, lob it over into the, <laughs> lob it over the plate. But uh, you know, hey, he's 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 uh, Henry Williams is on his way. Welcome to Fort Wayne, or welcome to Lake Elsinore, and we wish him the best. You know, that seems to be the way of of position players pitching now. You don't get the position players that get up on the mound and they're trying to get guys out. They're throwing hard. They're throwing stuff with a wrinkle. Now it's just like, okay, go up there and throw batting practice, yeah. and you know. Let him let him knock you around until we get three outs. Just let's just move on. (laughs) All right. So a quick start, uh, a strike two, and then we'll get into the interview that I did with Grand Pauly. The positives for the week for the storm are after a slow start, Samuel Zavala is heating up. Uh, He's hitting 323, 465, and 452 uh, in the month of May. Grand is leading the Cali League with a 352 average. And uh, both those guys, you know, Sammy had a really rough beginning of the season. As it's heating up, as it's warming up, he seems to be heating up. I think he's got a couple of dingers in there as well. So he had that's three really stolen bases in one game yeah. the other day. Yeah. So um, it's good to see him, you know, starting to get it together this early in the season. But let's listen to the uh, interview I did with Grand Polly. It's real fun and check it out now. All right, first things first, man. Congratulations on making Cali League Player of the Week. Thank you very much. Nice. And you're coming out of the gate raking. Thank you very much. So you um, so you grew up in the Atlanta area. That's true. I mean, it's Braves, yeah? Yeah, growing up, definitely a Braves fan. Um, obviously now I'm more of a Padres fan. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, growing up, huge Braves fan. Uh, Chipper Jones, all those guys. Chipper Jones. Jones. Dude, it's, a, it's, a, it's criminal that Andrew Jones is in the Hall of Fame yet. <laughs> Like, I, I agree with that. Like he was, not, he can get a little in there on his glove alone, I and his bat plays too. Yeah, I think he's starting to trend up a little bit, so I'm hoping he gets in. But like, even as a dedicated Padre fan, born and raised in San Diego, I'm like that guy's, that guy's really good. Yeah. All right. So growing up, going to high school, you were an AP scholar, a National Honor Scholar. Uh, were academics a big thing in your family, obviously? Yeah, um, definitely. And you know, throughout high school, um, when I was deciding on college, that was a big thing that I you know, thought about, um, it was always, you can't just always have baseball. Um, baseball won't be there forever. So I wanted to get good academic degree and that's why I ended up going to Duke and going from there. So what was your major at Duke? So I was economics with a finance concentration. Nice. Yeah. We should get together, talk stocks. We'll do a whole (laughs) segment on on the market. Um, all right. So young man service club as well. That's in, in high school, yeah. What did you do there? So um, basically, it was a lot of uh, charity work. Um, kind of, it was based on hours. Um, so I started my freshman year and did it throughout high school. Um, did a lot of stuff in terms of um, like softball leagues or helping out um, food for uh, homeless people. Okay. It, kind of a mix of everything. 
That's nice. That's that's you know one of those things about being you know minor league player and going into the major leagues. Uh, you become a part of the a part of the community, right? And and every minor league stop of the way is a community member, you know, in the community. He's a member in the community. Hundred percent. All right. So, did you play the Cape? Lot you played the Cape. Yeah. So you played in the Cape. Also, so how was that experience first? Yeah. So um, great experience. Um, Baseball up there, obviously, is top-notch, great competition. Um, I ended up playing for two teams this past year. So I started out with it. Um, I was on a temp there and then ended up going over to Harwich um, and, you know, played with a few guys from college, uh, played against them. So that's always fun. And then, you know, just great experience overall. So you also played in another college league. Um, was there a difference between, like, I mean, the Cape Cod is almost like the major leagues of, you know, it's the most famous Cape Cod league, uh, most famous league. Obviously, the highest level, I think, in, in of all the college leagues. Um, did you see a difference in play between the two? Yeah, definitely. So the other league um, was the Sunbelt League, and that's uh, basically all throughout Georgia and a little bit in Alabama. Um, and obviously, the Cape is known for it being the best summer league. Um, but I didn't have that opportunity my sophomore year, and... I had a spot open in the Sunbelt League, and it's close to home. I was able to stay at home and then drive to all the games there. So, But competition-wise, um, the Cape you know, kind of beats everything. But other than that, like Sunbelt League was also awesome. Right, and in the Cape League, you got like – I mean, the host families there must be just like legendary. Oh, yeah, they love it too. I mean, my both of my host families that I had were awesome. They feed me after games, um, you know, were always there for me if I needed anything. So that was great. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sorry, man, I need bail money. Like, we'll be right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so then, so the two, the, yeah, the two, yeah, the two teams in, so you were a temp for one team and then went to play for another team? How'd that work out? Yeah, so um, because I was a junior and it was, like, my draft year, um, I was on a temporary contract to begin at Katuit because most of the time it's freshmen and sophomore who get, like, the full contract for the whole year because right. they know they'll be there. So I was at it, I was on the temp, and then once that was up, they had to release me because other guys were coming in, and that's when I went over to Harwich, um, which I, so I think I spent a total about a little over a month in the Cape total, um, and then left right before the draft to be home with my family. Dude, that was a real big, last year was huge for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, a full year at Duke, and then you go and play summer ball, and then you get drafted. Were you playing when you got drafted, or? Uh, so I, I was done for probably four or five days um, leading up to that. So it was pretty much straight through um, the whole year. Yeah. Oh, my God. So that was pretty hectic. And then you go – so then you get drafted, you come out to the uh, – you come out to the complex, and then you – did you make a – hold on a second here. Yes. And yet, then you go into this last off season, you know, with a full year. What was your training like going into this last off season, going into a full pro ball season? Yeah, so um, – to me, like, even though I didn't play the full, like, 140 or so games that a minor league season is, I felt like I played a lot of games this past year to kind of get a feel for what it might be like. So, for me, like, this training soft season was trying to get as strong and fast as possible, but also, like, try to stay as healthy as possible. Like, I wanted to have a, a long career, yeah. but also have be able to play each season throughout and make sure that, you know, I'm always available on the field. So A lot of conditioning, a lot of stretching. Yeah. Definitely. All of the above. <laughs> nice. So, dude, you come out of the gate and you're, and you're mashing. Thank you. Like, it's going to get more difficult, you know. I, I, <laughs> well, you. maybe it won't. I don't know. But, like, 
you know, you, you came out of the gate, Mash. You, you, what is your focus on this season? Do you have you set any goals? Um, you know, it's tough because even though it, a lot of it is in your control, a lot of it's out of your control. So, you know, you can't really expect anything. You can't really expect to get moved up, get moved down. Um, you can't expect to get hits every game. Right. So you kind of just got to go off what you've prepared for. So to me, like, as long as, like, my process leading up to each and every day is elite, then I feel like I'm prepared for each and every day, each and every game night. So goals, I wouldn't say I necessarily have any It's besides, you know, just be my best self each right. and every day. Right. Did you, uh, did you have a job in the offseason? Uh, so, no, I, I actually finished my degree this offseason. So I, so I graduated, um, which was nice because I was ahead in school. So I only had one semester left, um, even though I was a junior. So I went back and graduated this offseason. Congratulations, yeah. man. That's huge. That yeah. is absolutely huge. Thank you. All right, let's have some quick hits. Let's have some fun here. What do you do to escape from baseball? Oh, um, I'd say my number one thing is probably golf. Um, I, yeah, over the past few years, I've gotten really into golf and um, just relaxing. You know, it, Well, hold on. What's your handicap? Um, in the off season, I'd say it's about a 10. Okay. Um, in season, it's definitely worse. It's probably <laughs> closer to 20. But, uh, you know, it's just something that relaxes me. And, you know, even in season, if I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to go out there striping the ball, but I enjoy it. So it's just something nice I can do. During spring training, did you guys make a trip out to Top Golf? Uh, no, I actually didn't. What? Uh, but I, I've been to Top Golf before a lot. Um, there's one, like, <laughs> 10 minutes from my house in Georgia. Okay. So I've, I've been there a few times. But, yeah, I, I definitely should. Maybe next spring training. Dude, absolutely. Yeah. You got any superstitions? Um, surprisingly, no. Um, yeah. It's, like, I know a lot of people do, and that's a huge baseball thing. Um, but for me, like, I just kind of trust on what I can do. Right. And it's, you know, not always in my hands. So just do what I can do. Yeah, absolutely. Celebrity crush. Ooh. Um, I got to go Margot Robbie. Okay, yeah. God, finally someone age appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, um, yeah. That's that movie got me hooked on her. So and a couple guys have already said Jennifer Aniston. I'm like, dude, she's like, that's, you know, she's almost my age. Yeah, I almost have a chance with her. Almost. All right. Okay. So comfort food growing up. Excuse me. Sorry. Comfort food growing up. Oh, comfort up. food. Oh, um, probably steak. I'm a huge steak guy. Um, Probably like steak and uh, sweet potato or baked potato. Um, those are probably my – that's nice. an ideal meal. What is your comfort food here in California? Ooh. I've been eating a lot of Chipotle. <laughs> yeah, dude, welcome to the club. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's something simple. It's got, you know, like the nutrients that I need. It's like protein and carbs, stuff like that. So it's something basic and something that's easily available. Yeah, so. absolutely. So one person that you'd want to meet, living or dead? Ooh. That's a good one. Um, probably be Chipper Jones. All right, nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, I you know I'd love to just have even a conversation, baseball or not. Yeah. Just see what he has to say. I follow him on Twitter. He just seems like a like a kind of down to earth dude. Yeah, kind of easy going. Exactly. Um, you're on a you're on a desert island. You have food, water, and shelter. What are the three things that you need? Oh, I think we've covered them: steak, um, <laughs> golf, and yeah. So we'll go. Um, We'll go a gaming console. Okay. I've, I've been getting more into gaming the more time that I have. So right now i got a Nintendo Switch. Um, I'll say my phone, um, keep in contact with people if, I, if there's service out there. And then, you know, I'll take some, a golf bag right. just so I can hit some <laughs> balls. We'll go 
<laughs> balls and everything included. Hit Plug. some balls at the Dolphins. Yeah. Dude, that's epic. Hit into the water. Okay, who plays a movie in your life? Ooh. That's a good one. Um, I can't think of his name, but they, who's from Greece? John Travolta? John Travolta. John yeah. Travolta. Yeah. Hey. That's that's been my celebrity lookalike that people have told me a lot. Really? Yeah. Really? I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily see it, but that's what I've been told. Oh, uh, you got to get rid of the goat. Maybe it's uh, yeah. There. I know. Oh, that's fine. Okay, one more. We'll get you out of here. Um, if you can have a pet that's not a dog or a cat, ooh, I'll go. I'll go fish. Fish. Yeah, because one, I think it'd be simple to take care of, yeah. and I'm a big fan of the water. So, <laughs> does it? Big fan of the water. You know, surfing, body surfing? No, just swimming. like, I think the beach, I love going to the beach. Um, I've been out here a few times, so yeah, I'd probably just fish. Nice. Well, hey, I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Paulie's a character, man. <laughs> he's a good, he's a good cat. And he, I, I thought he was older. He's only 22. So he's age appropriate and hitting 352. In in a ball, there's uh you know there's gonna be some interest peaked if he keeps hitting as he moves up. Maybe he's like this year's Marcos Castagnon, like yeah. fresh out of college, good hitter. Mm-hmm. The power's starting to show up. Um, he plays a couple positions, right? Mostly third base, right? But they'll move him around a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, I'll move us on to Fort Wayne. So strike one on on Thursday. John Conniff is in Fort Fort Wayne this week. Uh, he had the write up on Brandon Valenzuela. And, quote, he has been damaging the baseball, said his manager, Jonathan Matthews. Uh, quote, in the past series, he's had some pull side home runs, and he's always good behind the plate with everything that you want a catcher to be. End quote. In Valenzuela's last five starts coming into tonight's game, he was hitting 438 with a double, three walks, three home runs, and four RBI. Quote, if he continues to play the way he has, and unfortunately for us, but fortunately for him, he's not going to be here too much longer. <laughs> the first five batters got hits off starter Victor Lizarraga, putting three hits on the board. The right-hander from Tijuana bounced back, and after allowing a run in the second, shut down Beloit for the next three innings. Quote, tonight, Brandon came back from the dugout and said Victor's slider wasn't working that well, so he started to throw his curve more, said Matthews on Lizarraga, who has expanded his repertoire of pitches from last year. He can manipulate the baseball, his fastball has great movement, and he can command it to both sides of the plate. Then he'll use what breaking ball works best that night to go along with his changeup. Lizarraga had a rough start as four of the first five batters got hits off of starter Victor Lizarraga and then putting three runs on the board. The right-hander from Tijuana bounced back and after allowing a run in the second, shut down Beloit for the next three innings. It was a big night for Carlos Luis, big Carlos Luis, who had a pair of doubles uh, and just missed a home run to center in the sixth inning. Jacob Marcy reached base twice on a single and a walk to push his on-base percentage up to 418, which is ninth overall in the Midwest League. So about Valenzuela. So he's in high A right now. Um, It sounds like he's got his ticket pretty much punched for double A, which means that Anthony Villar would be moving from California league up to Fort Wayne. And then Salas would be taking his spot. So I was looking at at all the catchers that the Padres have right now. And I have a feeling the guy that would wind up losing out in all of that would be our buddy Chandler Siegel. You think so? He's been getting most of the play in double a, um, there's a couple other guys mixed in there. Uh, but nobody's really been, you know, setting the world on fire. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Chandler is such a such a high level glove. He's such a glove first kind of guy. 
I mean, I think he's hitting under 200 right now, but he's, he's so good with the glove that you, you know, you kind of want to give him the opportunity to kind of bring that bat back. But, you know, we've said this before. If, if we're going to move Salas into pro ball, we need to move him up. People got to move up. And if, you know, if someone gets brought down or put on a development list or it goes on an injured list, you know how they, they kind of shuffle around the minor league system. It's going to have to happen because Valenzuela needs to be challenged. Right. Right. And I look at guys, I look at guys like Michael Cantu who has stuck with the Padres organization. He's been doing a really solid job. He's never really hit all that well, but he's a really good defender, works with everybody well. And then the guy before that was Webster Rivas. And he wound up earning an MLB call-up and has seen Major League time, you know, a couple of different seasons. So, you know, who knows what kind of future these guys might wind up having. Yeah, but it'll be nice to get uh, Salas up into A-ball so we'll get him on the podcast. Oh, my God. Okay, strike two. Saturday, Adam Mazur was impressive. He threw four and third out. He threw four and a third innings with 38 of his 58 pitches for strikes, flashing an impressive slider and hitting 97 a few times with his four-seam fastball. Woo. I have been working on a lot of the mechanical stuff, so I was just putting it all together and getting back out on the mound, said Mazur. For me, it's a lot of lower body stuff or just getting my hips rotated correctly and my body aligned correctly. I feel good. I was out for a week or two, so I'm a little further behind on my innings than the other guys, but I just have to keep grinding. Cole Cummings was able to score on the fr- on the front end of a well-executed double steal with Jacob Marcy before Nathan Mortarella drove in Marcy with a double to center. Mortarella is second in the league with 23 RBIs, and Marcy is second in runs scored with 25. Nice little duo there. Marcy's been getting on base even when he wasn't hitting earlier in the year, said Matthews. Now he's starting to hit a little more and even better. Nathan has hit all year, and he's probably going to hit all year. He puts professional at-bats together. The notes for this game, before the rain came on Friday, Jairo Iriarte was very impressive. I watched the beginning of that game, and it just started pouring. On the two innings of work, according to catcher Brandon Valenzuela, his command was much better than last year, and his slider is particularly effective. Everything he throws is just hard, said Valenzuela, even his changeup. You know, it sounds like Valenzuela has a good uh, relationship with his pitchers. And I, yeah. I liked the the comment about Lizarraga that his slider wasn't working well, so he went to the, the curveball. That speaks well to to Lizarraga's repertoire, that he's got multiple pitches that when something's not working, you can shift to something else. But that also works for the catcher recognizing that this isn't working. Right. Let's try that and, until you find something that works. Plan A, plan B. And having Matthews... He said it last week, and you know he's like a fourth or fifth coach out there. So, yes. and you need that as you move up. You need to have that stuff. And it sounds like Valenzuela, like I said again, needs to be challenged. Get him up to Double A. Let's get it going. Yep. All right. So, strike three on Sunday, the Tin Caps bounced back after dropping both games to Saturday's doubleheader. Buddy Rascon and his piggyback partner Ryan Burgert combined for seven one-run innings. Quote, I thought my splitter and changeup paired well with my fastball today, said a smiling Rascon post-game. My slider wasn't completely there, but I was getting a lot of weak ground balls, so I was happy. Rascon, who's had an up-and-down season, was certainly up today as he worked around four four walks to pitch four one-run innings. Brigert was even better, throwing 44 pitches, 33 for strikes, over three innings of shutout work. Quote, from what I've seen this year, Burgert has been one of our most consistent guys, whether he's in our in starting or in relief, said Matthews. In his last inning, he did an excellent job of just pounding the zone with his fastball changeup and sweeper. 
Offensively, Lucas Dunn and Cole Cummings have three hits each, with Cummings contributing a triple and a double. Jackson Merrill has been down with a bad stomach bug. Before we move on to San Antonio, did you see the play that Lucas Dunn made? Second base came flying all the way over to foul territory by by the bullpen mounds, spun and threw a bullet to home plate right on the money to get the runner. It was beautiful. Beautiful, I missed it. Beautiful I've been play. watching a lot of baseball, too. Damn it. All right. Well, take us to San Antonio. All right. San Antonio. Strike one. Thursday, African Trails took the mound and cruised through the start of the game. He retired the first 10 batters he faced before giving up a double in the top of the fourth inning. However, he stranded the runner in scoring position. Pow! Contreras allowed three hits while striking out eight in six scoreless innings. With 55 strikes on 80 pitches, Contreras was efficient and showed the form that he made him worth protecting on the 40-man roster in 2022 as he recovered from his injuries. He's worth keeping an eye on because he's, he, as you just noted, he's on the 40-man roster. So, you know, if he gets hot and an opening happens to show up, he may make his major league debut this year. Keep an eye on on uh, Efren Contreras. Yeah. Lake Bakker, woo, haven't heard about Lake for a while, earned his second save of the season. Barker drafted in the fifth round in 2016 by the Padres is 1-0 with a 6.23 ERA and 18 strikeouts and 13 innings of work for San Antonio. The big night at the plate belonged to Ripken Reyes, dude, who is, who's just crushing it right now, who legged out a double and a triple and scored a pair of runs from the leadoff spot. Reyes, a former USD Torero, is slashing 281, 423, and 404 and 57 at-bats in his return to San Antonio in 2023 after spending most of his season with the missions last year. All right. Strike two on Saturday, the mission swept the double header game one, Daniel Camarena grand slam arena put together his longest outing of the season so far in three and a third innings of work. He allowed one earned run on four hits while striking out four batters. Connor Hollis got a start in left field. Uh, he homered to drive in a pair of runs and Connor Hollis is more of an infielder, but you know, yeah. you, you play wherever you can. Uh, The 2022 Texas League batting champ, Hollis, a shortstop by nature, has seen action all over the infield and the corner outfield. His first long ball of the season. Michelle Baez retired all three batters he faced. Michelle is going to be another person to follow. He's off the 40 man now, but I mean, a couple of good months and he could be right back in it. Yeah. So game two, Henry Henry tossed a pair of scoreless innings, scattering three hits and a walk to secure his first win of the 2023 season. Resigned to a contract in the offseason, Henry Henry returns to the Padres after minor league free agency and thus far has struggled with his command, walking 10 batters in eight and a third innings and posting a 2.64 whip and a 10.8 ERA. Ah, that's so tough because we talked to uh, back a couple of years back when we talked to Rope a drone, and we asked him about Henry Henry, and he's like, the kid is a professional. Like, he is major league. He acts like he's a major leaguer, and he was pitching like he was a major leaguer. Uh, but you have to be consistent. The consistency there, especially with Michelle Baez, like the consistency of, you know, throwing strikes and getting guys out and, and being able to do it consistently is, is, is baseball. That's the way it is. And when you don't do that, you know, it's – you know, you get stuck in double A. Here's the thing with Camarena. I really feel Camarena could certainly be, I mean, he's pitching in double A after having pitched in the major leagues. I spent so long in triple A. So there's got to be, they're giving guys a better shot in triple A, but I could see him being a coach. Like I can certainly say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm, I'm done. Do you guys got a position for me? So I wouldn't I be surprised see that. to see that. 
Yeah, he might be at that point in his career. Maybe like Tom Eshelman was last year. Yeah. Or it's like, you know, give it one more good ch- good shot. But, I mean, let's be honest here. Yeah, and he's been in the organization for a while, so he knows everything. He knows everyone. Um, when I did the interview with Paulie, I also did interviews with with Tyler Robertson and Kobe Robinson. There you go. Good edit there. Um, and and he was doing an interview. I'm like, ah, Eshelman, hey. I just get about to like, yeah, Nesselman right there. Um, so he's in, you know, he's in Lake Elsinore helping a pitching staff. So I, I definitely see that kind of future for him. You know, we haven't seen a whole lot of Kobe Robinson in the uh, Mad Friars write-ups, but man, has he been good out there. Yeah. I keep seeing, I think it's his agent that represents him, posts videos on Twitter. Uh, and I mean, he's got this fastball with life to the arm side, you fastball slider. He's looking really good so far. Yeah, I think he pitched three or four innings on Sunday. He pitches on Sundays, so that's that's when he pitches. Uh, All I think right, he pitched three or four innings and didn't didn't give up any runs. I think he did really well there. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah. Let's get to uh, strike three. Okay, so on strike three, Jackson Wolf got the start. <laughs> the Corpus Christi Hooks plated a run off the left-hander in the top of the first inning. After striking out the first batter, Shea Whitcomb singled and stole second base. Drew Gilbert drove in Whitcomb with a base hit to right field. The Hooks took an early one nothing lead. A little bit of small ball. Don't get too worried about it. From that point on, Wolf was nearly untouchable. The Southpaw lasted seven innings while giving up one run on four hits. He did not issue a walk and struck out eight batters. Wolf retired 19 of the 20 batters he faced. The 24-year-old is tied for second in the Texas League with 44 strikeouts in 28 and two-thirds innings as his strikeout rate is up nearly 50% from last year, while he's also shaved his walk rate to below 8%. Wolf's stro- focus on strength and conditioning over the winter, not to mention a little podcast bump, Mojo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, has helped add a few ticks to his fastball, but he continues to rely on breaking stuff and a tough-to-spot release point. Impressively, he's held right-handed batters to a 195 average on the year. Now, being a lefty, usually righties hit lefties better. Yeah. So another friend of the podcast, Alec Jacob, was equally effective, uh, blowing through two perfect innings on just 24 pitches. I love hearing good things about uh, about Jackson Wolf. I yeah. want to see that guy do well. Yeah, you know, and let's let's have him get through this year, and maybe by the end of the year they push him up to Triple A and get a taste. Because you know, once you get through Double A and you can show yourself in Double A, getting to Triple A in the Pacific Coast League is where the rubber absolutely meets the road. Right. Well, and last year they moved him up to Double A late in the season, and he struggled <laughs> mightily yeah. after making that transition. Yeah. So to have him come back and just hit the ground running. It's like he found another gear. I mean, like they said, a couple more, a couple more ticks on the, on the velo that makes a big difference, but it's the command. That's really getting it done for him. Yeah. So I pass on strike one Wednesday. Anderson Espinosa had his best outing of his career, literally, if not in his whole career, certainly in the Padres organization, throwing score, sixless innings, striking out eight, most notably only walking two. In each of Espinosa's previous five starts, he's averaged more than a walk an inning. While it's just one start, commanding the strike zone is a huge boost for the now 25-year-old. And 25-year-old in AAA is still still pretty young, but he's been around long enough where he really really needs to put a few you know few starts together and and showing. Anyways, Espinosa went slider heavy, getting both chases and called strikes with the pitch, uh, showing better velocity than he he uh, excuse me. 
showing better velocity than it has this year. Thank you. God, speaking of those Today, Matt Ferris came out with an interview that they uh, that they had with Anderson Espinosa recently. So it's interesting interview. You know, it's like you hear you hear people on the way up, but he's kind of reached that point and and he's gone through so much adversity. So I like to hear from guys who've who've yeah. dealt with that struggle and still have the positive attitude that he does. And really, he's just looking for whatever opportunity he can get. Yeah, and I, I, one of the things I liked about Espinosa watching him as he went through the Potters organization was he, he was he's always the fun guy, having fun, laughing in the dugout, always keeping it real light. And then you know he was doing pretty good, and then we traded him off. Right. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it was the trade was for Jake Marisnik. Ah. Yeah, I mean, Jake Marisnik it could have been a useful <clears throat> guy that, you know, got a couple of key hits down the stretch, whatever. Didn't work out that way. Uh, but I was just talking to somebody on Twitter today about like, like uh, Jackson. Um, oh, my God, I'm blanking. Went to the Pirates outfielder. Jack Sawinski. Jack Sawinski. Thank you. That we became we became friends with him. We had him yeah. on the podcast. We went up to Lake Elsinore. We wound up meeting his family. Yeah. Super nice people. You want to see these people do well. And then they get traded away. And it's like, okay, I'm going to follow his career. And I'm happy for him. He's been in the majors all year this year, having a pretty darn good season. Yeah. They sent him and Tucupita Marcano and Michelle Miliano for Adam Frazier, who was just a dud here. And yeah. that season just fell flat on its face. And it's like, man, I wish I could, you know, you go back and if you could, have, if I could turn back time, because I'd <laughs> rather have Tuku Peter Marcano than Rubenet Ordor as yeah. the, uh, as, as, as the bench infielder right now. And, you know, Jack Suwinski lefty bat coming off the bench is yeah. uh, in the outfield. That could be useful too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but since being, oh, so <clears throat> this is continue. Since being <laughs> often back to AAA, left-handed Ray Kerr has been a different pitcher. Wednesday, he allowed the first base runner since returning to the Pacific Coast League, but quickly recovered and closed out his third save for El Paso. Over the last four innings, he's allowed just one hit while notching eight strikeouts. First baseman Alfonso Rivas hit his seventh homer of the season, a two-run shot in the first to give El Paso a lead they would never relinquish. Rivas pushes OPS back over 1,000, or 1.0, on the season. In his last two years in AAA and the majors for the Cubs, we was hitting nine home runs combined. So he has found the power stroke in the Pacific Coast League. Granted, it's the Pacific Coast League, but barrels are barrels. Right. And he's he's a big guy. You see that there's power in his body, but he's not a, a fly ball hitter. Right. You know, he's somebody that hits hits line drives. Okay, so, so on on Saturday, Jose Altuve was rehabbing for the Space Cowboys and went 0 for 4 with two strikeouts and is now 0 for 8 in two MLB injury rehab games against El Paso. Matt Waldron pitched five shutout innings. Waldron has allowed one or fewer runs in each of his last four starts. Waldron needed only 75 pitches to get through five innings. David Dahl led off the top of the first inning with a 400-foot home run to right field and had two hits in the game. Dahl has had two hits in both of his MLB uh, rehab injury rehab games with the Chihuahuas in the series. So David Dahl, definitely somebody to keep an eye on because they only have 20 days that they can be on a minor league rehab before they either need to submit medicals to extend a, uh, an injury stay or, you know, come back on the major league roster. Yeah. I think I tweeted because I watched that game and it was the first pitch. Dude, he hit it to Arkansas. 
Yeah, I saw that. Years. He just crushed it. Um, you know, the funny thing to kind of go back to Jose Altuve, I don't know why, but they sent him to double A Corpus Christi. Probably because of, of proximity. Right. I you know, think he's not because he's struggling, but maybe just because he's proximity to them. Yeah, because the triple the A team, maybe they were on the road. Um, you know. And to be coming and, back, right, to be coming off his rehab. Right. Having to fly from like Spokane or somewhere like that. Exactly. Yeah. I want to point out that David Dahl, somehow he still has a minor league option. So I could see a scenario where it's due for him to come off of this injury rehab stint and they go ahead and option him to El Paso because you're not going to send Tatis Soto Grisham down and Engel doesn't have any minor league options. So unless you're going to carry a fifth outfielder, you know, he's probably going to wind up and, and you can't send Odor down. So as long as Odor's on the major league roster, he's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> so let, very, let me move. With- very hold on. Very good of you, Roy. Very good of you. I mean, really, we could spend the whole podcast just lamenting on how bad the team is and, and, and all the warts uh, of this squad, but it's not. Right. As, as critical as, as I've been lately about Rugnet Odor on Twitter, uh, there could be a bizarro world right now where this whole lineup is clicking and you look over there and there's Odor hitting 265 with five home runs and he's, you know, doing his job and, and holding up his, his end of, you know, his pole of the tent. Yeah. Right now, nobody's holding up a pole on that tent. <laughs> so it's it's easy to pick on the guys at the fringe, uh, but man... <laughs> And let me close it out with strike three. Yeah. Okay. So on Sunday, Pedro Avila, who has struggled <clears throat> mightily, allowed just one unearned run over three innings in his best outing of the year. The 26-year-old righty struck out four and walked just one batter uh, as he relied more on his curve and sinker sat Sunday afternoon. Jose Castillo made his third rehab appearance in the series. The big lefty surrendered three singles while recording just one out, but that included an opposite field flare and two infield singles. So nobody hit him hard. The BABIP gods were not with Castillo, who didn't allow a ball in play with an exit velocity over 84 miles an hour. Jeez, I'm surprised those even got out of the infield. I guess right. that's uh, that's PCL striking for you there as well. The 27-year-old slider has never fully returned to what it was in 2018 before a litany of injuries, but he wasn't able to get any swings and misses with it Sunday. Moises Lugo followed Castillo in his best outing of the year, striking out four of the five batters he faced. The righty worked 93 to 95 with his fastball. After walking eight in his first nine innings of the year, he hasn't issued a free pass in his last two outings. So I saw they sent Domingo Tapia down the other day. Now they're bringing up Drew Carlton. Uh, Moises Lugo has got to be in that conversation. Jose Castillo is on the 40 man roster. So it's a matter of time until he, uh, you know, pushes right. for for a return so there's some good pitching down in el paso there's reinforcement down there it's just a matter of getting the bats to pick those guys up yeah absolutely and that's why i went kind of pitcher heavy on on strike three because pedro avila we've you know he made that spot start from double a what three years ago 2019 i think it was, was it 2019 like four years ago and he did yeah. well um we yeah and then he had then he had then he had tommy john surgery and yeah. then it's been you know but even back when we saw him in Lake Elsinore, he was that guy that would throw three innings of just dominance. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he couldn't find the strike zone or next thing you know, everybody's touching him up because his breaking balls are flat. Now uh, it's you, you talk about the challenge of consistency and he's been the embodiment of that. He kind of reminds me of a Despagne that 
you know, when he was clicking, nobody could touch him, but that was like once every 10 outings. <laughs> didn't we see him? Didn't he come in a couple of years back? Uh, God, I. He came in with some other team, like with the Rockies or something like that. He's one of these guys. He's probably going to kick around till he's 45, you know, <laughs> kicking right. around the minders. Right. I'll have to check in after we're done and see what old Odie's up to these days. All right. Well, damn, that's it. So, hey, let's just have a moment of silence for the bats. Yes, a moment of prayer. Amen. You can find me on Twitter, SD Donovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. Hey, Padres, quit dragging my heart around. Quit dragging my heart around.